0: on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas.
1: I debated for a while, like if I wanted to write it or post it, I felt like I needed to say something and I was just kind of like, I don't want to be a downer at all. I don't want to open myself to the trolls of the internet hitting me while I'm vulnerable, but I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. It needs to be said. It's the truth. So I, I typed that with my thumbs on the plane.
0: Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the Strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction, knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff. And this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 165 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get rolling for this episode of the podcast, I want to take a quick moment to thank my guest from the last episode of the show, longtime Las Vegas trial lawyer and host of the CityCast Las Vegas podcast, David Figler. David was kind enough to come on my show to talk about his family's history in Las Vegas, including growing up in the shadow of the Vegas Strip, Share the stories behind some of his most notable cases and clients, and discuss what it's like putting together a daily podcast all about Las Vegas. If you haven't listened as of yet, you can jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 164, my special guest, David Figler. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Joining me this time around on the podcast is one of my favorite Vegas content creators, Sergio Portizan. Sergio is the brains behind VivaLasValue.com, an incredible website all about how to do Vegas like a high roller on a low rollers budget. Last time I had Sergio on the show was a little over three years ago, shortly after Vegas had reopened following the big COVID shutdown. At the time, I was unable to go to Vegas due to various travel restrictions that were in place, so I asked him to do a trip report by proxy to talk about his Las Vegas experience. It's now been almost six months since my last trip to the city, but Sergio just wrapped up a visit in the last few weeks, so I thought it might be fun to have him back to do it again. Sergio shared his hotel experience, staying both on the strip and downtown. We talked about what it's like attending a bachelor party with a bunch of Vegas virgins, and we discussed some of the same quote-unquote problems that Sergio ran into on this trip that everyone else seems to be experiencing, including a perceived decrease in value and increase in costs. We also got a little bit serious during our discussion as Sergio shared the epiphany he experienced during this trip and the blog post he wrote that's garnered a lot of attention. Please enjoy my conversation with Sergio Portizan of Viva Las Value.
1: It was for my cousin's bachelor party. We actually, they flew in from Minnesota. I came out from Colorado. We met up in Vegas. Um, we did two nights at the Flamingo and then we went to utah actually we went to zion national park which was absolutely gorgeous can't recommend it enough it was my first time there won't be my last and then i tacked on a solo day and night downtown at four queens before coming back on monday
0: and so doing the bachelor party I know in watching some of your 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 tweets or X's or whatever the hell we're supposed to call it now um <laughs> you had mentioned that for a lot of the people that were uh on this trip or a few of the people on this trip it was their first time going to Vegas so tell me the experience of A, doing a bachelor party in Las Vegas and B, doing it with a bunch of first timers. I would imagine it's kind of, I think in your, in your tweets, you actually described it as herding cats.
1: Yeah, that was very accurate. Um, I will say for anyone listening right off the bat, it's not what you necessarily expect for like a bachelor party of nine guys in Vegas. Um, My cousin and his friends and myself are all pretty low key in that regard. So no strip clubs. It was a running joke, but it was never seriously entertained. Um, The big highlight was we went to Omega Mart, which was pretty fun. Um, Everyone got a kick out of that and then just kind of walked around. I would say the majority of the group time was seriously just spent arbitrarily walking around and then stopping and standing in the middle of the sidewalk, trying to decide what to do next, punctuated by me and the other degenerate in the group, putting a 20 into a slot machine because we got impatient and sometimes we'd feed off of each other. Um, But it was Pretty interesting. I think my cousin had been once before um, last year. For about two thirds of the group, it was their first time. Um, not any huge gamblers, so it wasn't as degenerate as it would have been if it were me um, planning it. Of course, I found my degeneracy anyways. But um, yeah, my cousin's vegan, which was also interesting. So um, Taco Bell is actually really good for vegans. Very customizable menu, um, pretty cheap. So. We went to the cantina, I think two separate occasions, or they ended up there. Um, But yeah, like not a whole lot to write home about. We did go downtown for uh, maybe two or three hours, and then the groom got too drunk and we had to go back. Um, Kind of the, you know, there's, there's that meme that goes around and it pops up from time to time that's like Vegas isn't ready for us says the 35 year old guy that's going to have two Bud Lights at the club lose $20 at video blackjack and go to bed that's kind of what it felt like you know we we did get the sights at Omega Mart but you know just they'd be like let's go to Excalibur no no reason why no no anything so um you know just sightseeing and and going through the conservatory and things like that were were pretty fun and One of the guys discovered the uh, 350 foot longs at Casino Royale, and we were giving him shit because I think he ate five of them. We were like, if you would have ate one more, you could have ate your height in hot dogs. What were you doing?
0: (laughs) That that would garner a t-shirt. I'm pretty sure. I ate my height in hot dogs t-shirt
1: would be. (laughs) You know, I think the Casino Royale needs to do that. We're onto something that their little VIP club or whatever they call it on Twitter. Get us involved.
0: (laughs) I, I love that you guys did the classic, as you say, the stand around in the middle of the sidewalk and decide, try to decide where to go. I remember doing a, it was either my classic Vegas mistakes episode or my planning, my guys gone Vegas episode where I, I David DeMont Mullen on and, and had a conversation with him. And I think when, when we talked about the planning, the guys trip or planning the bachelor party. That was one of the things that came up was the in with a plan, always have a plan, have an idea of what you want to do. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to spend all that time standing in the middle of the sidewalk going, well, where do we go? What do we do? Which let's go to the Excalibur. Why? Why not?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The thing that was very fortunate for me was like, you know, having been, I didn't feel the need to do anything. So I, I was just committed to going with the flow and I didn't want to step on any toes of the best man or anything. So I just went along with it. Gave advice when, when necessary. I did get, I shepherded them to um, Omega Mart just because I wanted them to have time and not run out because at the rate we were going, I don't think we would have made it before it closed if we didn't intervene
0: there. Let's talk about the hotels. Cause you mentioned staying at the Flamingo, um, affectionately known by so many people as the dirty bird. Um, I've stayed at the Flamingo. A million times. It's, it's always kind of been one of my go tos in Vegas, bouncing between the Flamingo and Bally's or Horseshoe now. Um, how was your stay at the Flamingo? Was it an okay stay? Was it uh, decent? What was your your overall experience at the Flamingo like?
1: As the saying goes, you get what you pay for. I was on a comp room where I just had to pay the resort fee, which I guess I don't know that I really got a resort out of it. So maybe not. It was, <laughs> uh, you know, just. Before, before I dive in, um, you know, as my handle Viva Less Value suggests, I am a cheap motherfucker. I do not have high standards. <laughs> I need to walk into that room, be able to like shower and sleep and leave the room feeling cleaner and slightly more rested than when I walked in. That is my, my standard. And, you know, Flamingo was the first hotel I stayed at the day after I turned 21. It always has a special place in my heart. So I'm, I'm not one of the people who just shits on a hotel you know, and like finds everything wrong with something. Right. So I, I had a room, uh, I did a two queen just in case I ended up needing it, but it ended up being just me, which was great. Um, went up and opened the door and it was like more humid than Florida and it smelled like a dispensary. Like it was so weed heavy, you know, coming from Colorado, I'm used to it. And it was just this stale, gross weed. And I am never one to complain. Being from the Midwest, very conflict avoidant. Last thing I want to do is have to, you know, assert myself and say this isn't okay. But I went down to the front because I'm like, I'm not getting charged for this. I paid for a non-smoking. I don't want to be in this for two days and have my clothes and stuff smell like it. Right. And of course, with all of their self-checking kiosks, there's like no people to talk to. So I had to wait for like the one person to become available. (laughs) And he was just not having it. I'm normally pretty chatty. I you know, I'm like, hey, I'm in a good mood. I just got to Vegas. This is, you know, time out of the casino. I, I hadn't made any gambles yet. I'm like, the, you know, possibilities are endless. Getting me set up, you know, maybe this guy'll, you know, hook me up with something. It's a Thursday night, I'm checking out Friday or a Wednesday night checking out Friday. He was just might as well have been one of those kiosks for how much emotion he showed. I was just like, I'm gonna stop talking because you don't you don't care at all and I don't wanna impose on you. So he got me the new room and it was fine. Mm -hmm. Had a cool lamp. That was the highlight. I posted a picture on Twitter because I thought it was cool. Uh, Just a little kind of white flamingo, a little modern style. But, you know, room was totally fine. It didn't have shampoo in the little wall mounted dispenser since apparently people were using too much of the shampoo otherwise. But, you know, I didn't I didn't care enough to call down like it was just like man. Um, it has one of those half door showers with no curtain, which is a pet peeve of mine. I don't know who the hell thought that was a good idea. Did they get kickbacks from like a flooding repair company? Cause <laughs> it's just the dumbest thing, but they had those nice, well-lit bright bathroom, um, had a decent view of, it was kind of over, I guess they did get upgraded to a strip view, but half of it was the flamingo roof, but I could see Caesars and a bit of Bellagio if I really took an angle. Um, the room was quiet enough slept fine, showered. So by all accounts, it was fine. Um, if you are a more detail-oriented person, the carpet on both floors in the hallway was disgusting and like wrinkled. And like, I felt like you would like catch a vacuum on all of the wrinkles, which probably explains why it was so dingy and gray. It's showing its age pretty bad. And this is hilarious. I'm glad I get the chance to share it. One of the guys in the the party got, um, he texts us all. He's like, hey guys, I got a suite somehow. So we all go up. And it was like the footprint of like three or four rooms. And it was the most inefficiently laid out suite you can imagine. And the furnishing in it was the most hodgepodge mix of like old reject furniture from like three different eras. Uh, we looked it up online and I think it was like last renovated in like 2004, six, like the, the 2000 singles is when this place was, was brought up and, I mean, it just had the ugliest lamps. We were cracking up, just going around and like roasting the room. It had like a, you know, wet bar with no bottles, no mini bottles, no anything. The guy in the room was like, I would pay like 12 bucks to have a beer like in my suite. And they don't even have it. Yeah, Didn't have a bottle opener and the little, uh, credenza by the door. You could tell someone just popped a six pack on it. Cause there were like six <laughs> bottle marks in a row on it from the, the caps and, uh, it had a pool table in it, but of course, in true Caesars Entertainment fashion, all of the balls went into the top left corner because <laughs> the thing was slanted. And it was just, you know, all of the stuff the haters of the Flamingo talk about were on display in that room. I mean, the furniture, some of that furniture is probably older than me. And it just it was like, thank God he got it for, you know, free. Because I, I think if I got that comp from Caesars, I'd be so insulted. I'd be like, I'm never coming back here. MGM, even with their hack, I'll go to them. It was just comedic.
0: Is he sure he got a suite or did he get a storage room? Because you know, it's like, they, it sounds like they took all the furniture from rooms that they've renovated. We got to put this somewhere. Let's put it in a room and we'll call it a suite and see what happens. <laughs> You know, if
1: there would have been more in there, but it somehow, despite all of that, still felt like empty and like all of this blank space.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Now, you know me, I'm not a big, I'm not a downtown stayer at all. All my trips to Vegas, I've never stayed downtown. You stay a lot downtown. Um, how was it? Was it a, again, I've, I've never stayed. What's, what's the Four Queens like?
1: Honestly, Four Queens is exactly what you would expect if you've been in that casino. It's there's nothing great to say about it there's nothing bad to say about it it's just you know it's a dated late 80s hotel brings you back a little bit of nostalgia to like a family road trip um you know it's just it's dated it's pretty poorly lit um you know completely serviceable bathroom fixtures definitely showing their age but still functional um you know beds are definitely on the smaller side like they you know Hotel Queens and Kings are always, you know, really like a step down, but they're definitely kind of aged mattresses. I'm not too picky. Um, I actually had one of the best nights I've had in my life in Vegas there. Um, so no complaints there. AC got nice and cold. I will say for noise sensitive people, the Fremont Street experience can get quite loud with the
0: boom, 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 boom,
1: bass. So um, I was pretty much right above the check-in desk, like in that back elevator. Not the front. I forget what street it is, but if you're at, like if you're noise sensitive or like you know coming from the East Coast and a earlier to bed person, it's definitely worth um, asking for one removed from the strip. That goes for any hotel downtown, but especially for Queens. I've been in ones closer to the strip there and are to the Fremont Street. And they are pretty thin windows, and it comes through pretty loud. You you know if you want a elevated balcony view of Fremont Street experience they're pretty fun, but depending on your needs as a night owl and, you know, someone who's usually up gambling past 2am, it's not a problem for me, but that's a big tip. Um, and one, one gripe I do have, and this is kind of just me being cheap and wanting to leave my bags there, but the bell desk definitely has an attitude. If you try to check your bags, like in the past, you know, I would just drop them and Gamble, and now they're like, Are you checking in or out? And he actually made me go get a printed confirmation of my stay to give him to show him that I was staying before he would accept the bags. And I get that they probably, you know, being downtown, need to be aware of riffraff and stuff, but it's kind of a buzzkill when you're going to check in, you're excited to be downtown, get your gamble on, and you have to wait in line to wait in line again.
0: I guess I do kind of understand it because I know for the longest time you'd see people on on different Facebook groups and stuff that I was a member of and people would ask about storing their bags if they get in early or they have late flights or whatever. And people would always say, oh, just take it to any hotel and they'll take them at any bell desk. You don't have to stay, put it at your own hotel. And I would imagine – that probably people are leaving it out of convenience or they're deciding it's because you always see those people wandering around, whether it's downtown or on the strip and they're dragging their entire lives behind them because yeah, they've arrived early or they've got that, that late checkout. And rather than going and using a bell desk at the hotel that they're staying at, they're dragging their stuff around. So I would imagine they probably get to that point where they like, they think to themselves, well, shit, I don't want to drag this stuff around anymore. Let me just duck into the four Queens and I'll leave my stuff here until I come back and get it. So I kind of get that they want to use it for their guests, but at the same time, as you say, it's a bit of a pain in the ass to have to stand in line to, to get the confirmation of your check-in and then, yeah, again, then go stand in line again at the bell desk and then tip them for the privilege of standing in line at the bell desk and at the check-in desk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, they were friendly enough afterwards, but it's, it's just kind of frustrating. Um, I can say I did walk around downtown once because I flew in and I wanted to go downtown to gamble before going to my room on the strip. So it didn't make sense to go strip downtown back to strip. And the only place I went to Plaza, um, Four Queens, Binion's, doesn't have a bell You have to go to four Queens. And then they told me no, So that was frustrating. They're already on my shit list for that. But <laughs> I tried it quite a few places. I might've tried it at the D I don't remember, but the Plaza did take it with no room. So, right. and the guy there was very friendly. Of course I tipped well. So um, if you do have any listeners looking to get a little Fremont on Plaza was, was good for me. Hopefully that's a trend and not a data point, but that is what I've learned. Definitely don't waste your time at four Queens.
0: Other than uh, Taco Bell for your your vegan cousin, um, did you guys do any eating anywhere? I know it's tough when you got a big group of guys like that. I know I've done the guys trip. Nobody's going out and sitting down for a big steak dinner or anything like that or anything fancy. You're not there to you know hang out per se and spend a lot of money on food. But did you guys do any get your eat on anywhere at any restaurants?
1: I felt bad because the whole group did end up going to Din Tai Fong. I didn't realize that everyone was going to go. So I was like, I'll just meet you guys after I had some comps at Cosmo. And then, of course, they send a picture with literally everyone there. And I felt kind of like an asshole. (laughs) It was okay. I got district donuts, which are a favorite of mine. I mean, I've never had anything bad there. It's a pretty good deal by strip prices. I mean, a donut under five bucks. Can't be mad about that. And I got a I think I got a fried chicken sandwich there. That was really good. It was my first time getting that and really enjoyed it and then I went to um bang or bong bar at the block 16 as well got a u-wrap and I splurged I got the yuzu lemonade which is kind of like a verbena in lemonade form gives you a little bit of tongue tingle really enjoy that make a point to get it if I'm at all in the mood and then I got the I believe it was called rice cakes and it was really kind of like a Noki type thing they were pretty you know thick and And uh, satisfying and kind of like a garlicky cream, maybe some cheese. I don't know. It was really rich. It was delicious. Um, So I think it ended up being like a $28 combo or something with all of the upcharges. But I was not upset at all um, because it was comps that I'm trying to use before MGM fully takes over. And it was nice and delicious. It was disappointing, though. They used to have kind of a grandfathered in Wicked Spoon buffet credit, if you were, I think, sterling or above. Where you could get $15 at whatever restaurant you wanted if you went to the players' club, but that is no more. The lady had a bit of attitude when she told me that they hadn't been doing it for a couple months, even though I'm pretty sure I did it the last trip I was there, which was within that time frame.
0: It really, though, in the grand scheme of things too, though, I mean 28 bucks, you've got a decent amount of food there. $28 and it's and I'll get we'll have a conversation about value and prices here in a bit. But $28 in the grand scheme of things for that amount of food on the strip at the Cosmo is really not all that bad.
1: Yeah. And I will say too, it's, it's very fast. I think they call it like good food fast or some kitschy phrase like that. And I mean, from, from order to eat, it was less than five minutes and that's including not standing in line. Cause there wasn't one, um, you know, in Vegas where I think time is at a premium, I do place a value on that. So I think, you know, in the big picture, there is a lot of value to be had in that food court just because it moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not sitting down doing the pleasantries waiting for water to come waiting to get your order waiting for the bill waiting for them to get it like, you know, I was I was in and out in probably 15 minutes. And I, I really appreciate that. And in and out was another stop I had that was a good segue. Of course, they're great value on the link promenade. Um, it's a go to late night for me because the, the late night options are Definitely lacking still. I think that was that's one of the sad legacies of COVID. There's just not as much available. And as a degenerate who will sleep until noon and, you know, get going gambling or doing whatever, I'm often hungry after eleven. And it's rough when the only option is to eat your height and footlongs.
0: (laughs) Um that's that's a really good segue into what I want to chat with you about next is um I mean, I, my last experience in Las Vegas was back in May. I talked about it on my trip report episode. It was not really an awesome experience based on kind of what, what I ran into Uh, recently had Sam Novak on the podcast doing our, the what the hell has happened to Vegas episode and, and having a conversation about everything going on in Las Vegas right now. And that was one of the things that came up was that lack of, eating options and drinking options, late night options that just aren't there anymore. I mean, it used to be, I know so many times stumbling back to my room at Bally's half in the bag at three in the morning and walking past La Pizza in Paris and going two giant slices of that pizza seems like a really good idea right now. But three hours later when the acid reflux kicked in, it did not feel like such a good idea anymore. But that option just that's not there anymore. And all those late night restaurants aren't there anymore. And, and even to like casino bars now are closing at different times. When I was there back in March for a a, a conference and we had an event at Dres, and it was just a private event with iHeart, So it was three hours and shut her down. And then we all said, okay, let's go down to the bar in the, in the lobby in the Cromwell and the big bar in the lobby in the Cromwell closed at 11 o'clock. And we just kind of went like, what is happening in this city right now?
1: Yeah, and that's that's a recurring problem I've had really since COVID. Um, you know, I think it's just the way my schedule tends to work in Vegas. I'll eat like kind of two meals a day there. Usually one kind of like at a normal person lunchtime is like my first one and then kind of when I really any time after 7 whenever I'm hungry if I don't have a reservation. So, solo trips I definitely lose track of time and it's, you know, I'm, I'm normally sweating if in and out is still open. It's either in and out or secret pizza are kind of the two things on the strip and downtown. I always end up eating my eighties comp down there. Although I did struggle with late night downtown as well. It's just not as much. I mean, you end up at white castle or casino Royale and you know, they say nothing good ever happens after two. And that's definitely the case. If that's the food you're, you're imbibing.
0: <laughs> you kind of briefly touched on, um, the customer service that you got at uh, at the flamingo and trying to get your room changed, and I noticed on my trip back in May, I found that the the customer service was was bad generally all around. Um, what was your experience dealing with staff at places? Was it generally overall good? Was it sort of indifferent? Did you have any any good or bad experiences that really kind of stood out?
1: Um, I would say overall, either neutral or positive. Um, The guy at the Flamingo was just, you know, he wasn't rude or anything. He just wasn't particularly fun. I can normally chat people up. It's, you know, having done a job where you're doing menial work on the computer, it's like a welcome distraction to just make some small talk while you click the same 17 buttons you have to click in the stupid system. Um, So, you know, but I can also pick up if he doesn't want to. So, you know, he did the job. Um, But I do got to give a shout out to the Players Club Person at the D because I brought my boarding pass in and it had been about 30 hours since I landed and he's like hey it's supposed to be 24 we'll let it go this time so it was nice that he hooked me up with my 50 bucks of match play there um you know poor guy had bet on the uh the Lions or someone someone who had lost and he was he was pretty upset no I think he bet against the Lions he was he was pretty furious he'd lost his bet so he was having a bad day but he was still nice enough to make my day um And yeah, beyond that, I mean, the, the bell desk at the four Queens, when I picked up my bags was really friendly. Um, But, you know, customer service, I tend to, unless they're just completely awful in like every way, I can look past a lot. Like I figure if they're providing good service or they're friendly, I can generally, you know, focus on the good. I didn't have any cases where I didn't get good service and they were unfriendly, so just kind of, you know, went about it. I will say, other than the guy at the Players Club at the D, I didn't have any customer service that kind of made the trip. Um, you know, sometimes you just get someone who's like so great that you're like, wow, I'm tipping, you know, 40%. You were incredible. Thank you so much. Didn't have any of those, um, but also wasn't really in a environment conducive to that as much.
0: Yeah, I, I found it feels like that that wanting to strive to go the extra mile, it feels like that has, um has slipped away a little bit in Vegas. And, and Sam and I talked about this a little bit where we were saying, and, and I I asked him, you know, what's it going to take for this to sort of um for them to flip the switch and, and realize that, you know, we're chasing away some of these repeat people, people like myself and people like you that make, repeat visits to Vegas, because I found after my last trip, I was like, yeah, you know, this was okay. But it wasn't great. And I'm not in any big rush to go back anytime soon, which for me is weird, because usually I'm at the airport looking at my schedule planning my next trip a couple of months out. And when Sam and I were chatting, and he had kind of said, well, it feels like they've, they don't care about the big corporations don't care about the people like us anymore. They want Sports fans that are coming in for their one NFL game a year that are going to drop a ton of money in the sports book and they're going to go over to Allegiant. They're going to pay big money for Raiders tickets and they're going to buy a lot of food and a lot of beer and they're going to get a room for a few nights and do some stuff in town and then take off. Or young guys or young girls that are 21, 22 coming to town to go to the day clubs, the night clubs, drop money on bottle service, drink hard, hang by the pool, and then they don't care if they never come back. And it, it, it kind of it made sense. Did you sort of get that, that feeling as well?
1: Yes, I did. I was trying to think of something more eloquent, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm definitely not increasing the shareholders bottom line and the way that, you know, things are, are going represent that. Like, I'm not going to be there for formula one. I'm not going to pay $300 to watch the Vikings choke to the Raiders this year in December. I think it's You know, really, for me, Vegas used to just really be like a value and a gambling destination for me, where like my gambling would unlock value. And I would be able to have experiences that were, quite frankly, way outside of my price range, you know, in normal life, like, you know, if I was in a normal city, not even, you know, talking like New York, San Francisco, but like, Des Moines, or, you know, Springfield, I would, I would never be in a four or five star hotel for the price that I was in, you know, in Vegas. And I really appreciated that. I think the, the gambling offers have certainly kind of dried up Um, with downtown. um, You know, I can get the comp rooms, but you're still paying 45, $50 with resort fees. Um, You know, I think downtown still has a bit more of that kind of grind joint, earn your points, get a cafe meal at Magnolia's or whatnot. Um, But it's, it just as a whole does not feel like such a good value. I'm not sure if I've just gotten kind of complacent or, you know, have been going so much that it's like, oh, I'm willing to consider paying for convenience, but it just feels like, you know, kind of every time I go, some of those little value places I had, my little hidden gems are kind of, you know, my, my $2.99 ATM at the beef jerky store downtown went away. And it just more and more, feels like the prices are going up. And I think it's, you know, really just kind of reflective. Like Vegas isn't immune from the inflation we're seeing everywhere. I see it at the grocery store too. My English muffins went from $1.29 to $1.39, $1.59, another $1.79. You know, I think, you know, it it makes sense that it's not going to, you know, be beating inflation and have these insane post-recession values going on. But I think when you have limited vacation time, limited funds, it's less compelling of a deal. And I'm a bit more hard pressed to recommend to friends like, Hey, if you go to Vegas, you can live like a high roller and not break the bank, which is of course my tagline. I, I feel like less and less confident doing that. And there's a lot more pitfalls that you need to avoid. Like for example, MGM gift stores have this buy two beers, get a free shot. That shot ain't free. It's like 30 bucks for two tall boys and your shot a Jack. Like it's not a good deal. And You know, being with the bachelor party was really interesting to watch because, like, you know, they were willing to pay for that convenience and most people are, which is why they do it. So I think, you know, really us kind of frugal, savvy deal shoppers are kind of definitely not the market. I think they kind of begrudgingly tolerate us, but, you know, there's less and less coupons, there's less and less American Casino Guide, Las Vegas Advisor, all of that. It's just more and more work to the point where it kind of feels like it is... Work rather than vacation to to hunt it out. So I've still got my haunts. I've still got my kind of deals, but it's it's feeling more and more like any other city to me. I do think it is. You know, it has a good stake as entertainment capital, and you can go. I went and saw Taylor Swift at Allegiant, which was amazing. I will go out for shows because I can get nonstops from Colorado, and you can get a cheap hotel. But you know, I think when you're when you're looking at spending, you know, if, if you were more lavish than me and you're going to fancy restaurants. Like there's less and less of a case to go to Vegas. If there's other destinations you want to check out, maybe that's me talking after 30 trips and having a rough gambling, you know, session. But I think it's just, you know, the, the newer things are more and more expensive, you know, like the, the constant in Vegas being changed before there were still values. But I think, you know, we saw a lot of happy hours disappear forever in COVID new places opening up don't tend to have good deals. So it's really just kind of clinging on to the past rather than moving forward with the deals for me is kind of how it feels.
0: And I know there is inflation is a thing. Yes, obviously, I know there's a lot of people that are are struggling with cost of living and, and inflation. But at the same time, I know like the that, that Las Vegas cheap sheet just came out, which is interesting to look at because it's got, you know, there's a hundred things on there of deals and it lists everything from the slice of pizza at the uh, at Secret Pizza at the Cosmo, to the beers at the stage door, to the King Cut Prime Rib at, at Ellis Island and all these things. And I said, geez, it would be interesting to go back and look at some of the older ones to see how much those prices have changed. Some of them... It feels like there's more than inflation there. So, I mean, even the the Ellis Island King Cut Prime Rib, the first time I ever had that, it was I think I paid twelve ninety nine for it. Um, the one of the older cheap sheets that I could find from I think July of twenty nineteen, it was sixteen ninety nine. That that quote unquote deal is now twenty six ninety nine. It's it's gone up ten dollars in three years. That's a pretty significant price increase for that to the point where $26.99 for Prime Rib is not really a deal anymore even. So, I mean, it feels like, again, the value is just not there. I know the trip that my wife and I did back in March or that I did was kind of half conference, half vacation. The vacation portion of it was probably the most expensive Vegas trip I've ever had Anywhere we ate on the strip, I mean, we went for breakfast at the Henry at the Cosmo. And it was a $60 breakfast. And, and I mean, it wasn't anything special. I had Eggs Benedict. My wife had some kind of bacon and eggs breakfast thing. I think we got the donuts because we had to get the donuts or the banana bread, one of those things. And then like a coffee was $6 and not any special coffee, like just a, a cup of straight up brewed coffee was six bucks. And so it really feels like. The value is not there anymore.
1: The sickening part is when you said six dollars for coffee, I went, Oh, that's not too bad for this trip. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? It's
1: so wild. It, you know, nothing's i mean the, the hot dogs at uh casino royale. Like I think they're up to 350. I don't know what they used to be. I think they were $1.99 and then $2.49 or something, but yeah, you know, I, I get that they're, you know, loss leaders and I guess the bean counters have just decided that. Oh, getting people through the doors at Ellis Island with a good deal on prime rib isn't isn't getting us as much money as just charging full price for it. So it's it's a bummer to see. I mean, there's still the hidden gems, but it's it's less and less for sure. I I will say downtown still. So, you know, if if you're getting some play in on those cards, those are are probably the best deals. I mean, you can't walk down walk through the four Queens without finding a coupon for Magnolias. And that's very serviceable, good breakfast, you know, decent stuff. And you earn those comps pretty fast. But, you know, we went to, um, me and, and one of the guys on Sunday before he caught his flight, went to whiskey liquor up at Binion's. It had no business being as expensive as as it was. We got an appetizer sampler and it was, it was in the twenties. I want to say 22 or 24, Pretty shitty. I mean, the barbecue sauce on the wings was just kind of coagulated and clumpy and gloppy, and the onion rings were super thick, like not a good breading to onion ratio. The chips were just smothered beyond belief in the seasoned salt that was just and like paprikas. We were about like these are inedible, so we we left a lot of the the sampler uneaten. it. I would have been underwhelmed if I got that at a dive bar for 10 bucks.
0: Have you noticed being a downtown guy and going downtown as much as you are, have you noticed um, more things starting to increase in price downtown? Like have room rates started to go up overall? And you mentioned the the expensive appetizer platter, but like overall downtown, are you seeing the prices starting to creep?
1: Yes and no. I think there's still kind of the the steadfast places that remain a value, but I think as a whole, it's not immune from the the inflationary forces. The bean counters, you know, being like why not charge fifteen dollars for a beer if people will pay it? Um, room rate wise, the the big place that I would stay downtown was um, the D, Golden Gate, with the the comps. And after. since Circa came, I've noticed that. I went from getting buy one or getting free rooms at Golden Gate and buy one, get one at D to rack rate at D and buy one, get one weeknights on at Circa. Um, so I haven't been getting as good a deal there. I've never really broken with the Plaza cause I can't get past that stench that they have and uh, Fremont and like all of the Boyd properties, they used to be a, a great one for me and they just kind of fell off cause they, ruined their players club where you weren't even earning points until you had sapphire and so i haven't i haven't got offers from them after what i lost at el cortez hopefully they'll be sending me free offers maybe it'll be a renaissance there but you know the offers kind of dried up but that's also you know i was getting better offers on the strip and and playing more there so i can't necessarily point to the room rates and say like you guys are ripping us off because my play did go down but I used to feel like with like my micro rolling, I was able to get good offers, you know, when I was on a shoestring college budget, you know, I'm talking $100 a day gambling budget, they would, they would hook it up and I was, you know, able to go quite a bit. I haven't been getting offers like that in a while.
0: After the break, what to do when the fun stops. Sergio came to a realization on his most recent Vegas trip regarding his gambling and it wasn't pretty we discuss what was behind that realization and what he's doing about it. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. Something I didn't want to talk about, not to bring the mood down or anything, but um, you wrote a post on your blog, on your website called When the Fun Stops. And I think, first of all, I want to commend you for, for writing this because I think what you wrote was really important and what you put out there was important for people to read because I think um, there's so much on social media. Everybody sees, everybody always posts the look at this big bonus that I won and look at this big $800 jackpot that I won. And without including the fact that they, they spent 1500 bucks to get that $800. And so you wrote this blog post basically Laying it all out there, you put all your cards on the table about the the gambling experience that you you had on this trip, and and even just over the last while, you're gambling at other non Vegas places. Um, when the fun stops, the fun had and has kind of stopped for you, hasn't it? Well,
1: thank you first of all for your kind words. It's uh, you know I, I debated for a while, like if I wanted to write it or post it. Um, I felt like I needed to say something and I was just kind of like, I don't want to be a downer. I don't, you know, I don't want to open myself to the trolls of the internet, you know, hitting me while I'm vulnerable, but I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. It needs to be said, you know, it's, it's the truth. So I, I typed that with my thumbs on the plane. That was about two hours worth of, you know, pecking away. And I posted it before I left the airport when I landed in Colorado Springs, you know, I really didn't edit it. I just wanted to be raw, unfiltered. Um, but it is I'm I'm glad that I did it. I was pleasantly surprised that pretty much everyone was supportive. I think only one person got the the block hammer after that, which is, you know, a better ratio than you'd expect. Um but yeah, I think you know it's important to remember I lost sight of the fact that, you know, gambling is entertainment. It is not a money making thing unless you are a casino executive. They did not build Caesars Palace from giving out money to chumps like me and you that are bitching that the ribeye is $26 now, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not why the city got built. That's not why Formula One is going there. You know, the the thing that I kind of lost sight of was literally every game in the casino, if I play it long enough, I will leave with nothing, no matter how much I bring in. Obviously, you can hit variants, you can, you know, win. That's the hope that keeps us going. But You know, I was just feeling completely and utterly defeated by the end of the trip because I, you know, like I said in the post, hit the ATM three times, just lost, lost, lost. You know, I hit my $120 bonus. I was still down. You know, I I just kept digging. And I finally, you know, it was a first for me where I'm like, I'm just going to put the damn shovel down. I can't get out of this. Like, I'm just, I just got to walk away. So. I had my lowest gambling day ever the final day. I walked down to the arts district for the first time, which was a place I'd always wanted to check out, just kind of window shop. Um, I converted $10 of free play at the El Cortez into eight bucks of cash. I took that, threw it in Sigma Derby just for shits and giggles because I love, love the ponies. That's, you know, I was like, this isn't to win. This is just for fun. I was going to give the dollar blackjack at downtown grand a try in my final few hours just to kind of kill time for 20 bucks, but it was full. So I went to pizza rock and then I was, you know, I put a 20 in video poker at the airport. I ran it up to like 35. I said, if I hit double, I'll cash out, ran it back to 20 and I just cashed it out and then threw it in a invaders from Mula Cause I love that game. And it's the new one that I'd been wanting to try, but you know, so that was like the lowest gambling day I've ever had in Vegas. And I fortunately won. So I, I booked a tiny minute win the last day, but it at least kind of let me go home on a good note of like, okay, you know, you, you quit with some money in your wallet. You have more. It might not be much. It It's a drop in the bucket compared to what you lost, but at least, you know, at least my final gambling memory from Vegas this trip wasn't doing the dragon thing on dragon link at the airport with my remaining seven cents and losing. Um, but yeah, you know, just on a, on a deeper level, I, I have a pretty addictive personality. I wrote a post about drinking, you know, a year back and I noticed a lot of similarities there. And, you know, I just want to be clear to anyone listening. I am, this is all about me sharing my thing. I'm not like pointing fingers. I never want to be like that guy. We all know them and you just zone them out. But, you know, for me, I just, I noticed so many similarities to that where, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, it could be worse. It could be bad, but it, you know, it was trending in the wrong direction. i be like, well, I have my gambling account, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I strayed from the kind of commandments that any responsible gambler has. I have bankroll management systems that just slowly went out the window, got stretched, got walked over, ignored. Um, You know, I used to bring my budget and that was that and do daily. It's like, "Mm, I'm just going to tap into tomorrow. going to, you know, go to the ATM. I have the money. Um, So the fortunate part, you know, is that all of the money, that I lost was from my Vegas account. That's the bright side. But you know, being completely honest on the flip side, that account is down to $1,400 now. And, you know, I've never really had to put more money into that. I do like 20 a paycheck automatically. But, you know, it's, it's never been coming out of a budget. So, you know, I realized, quite frankly, with like, the absolute vendor that I was on at the El Cortez where I took out $400 from a sketchy Seven Eleven ATM downtown, which I mean, truly I, looking back, I'm like, I was like, man, like people are probably doing drug deals in this parking lot. And I'm like, in a way I'm like, you know, going to this ATM to save $5 so I can get my fix on the slot machines. I'm not much different. Um, it's amazing how you value things differently. I will walk, half a mile through a sketchy part of town to save $5 on an ATM fee. But then I will put a 20 in a slot machine trying to get a pig to pop below that and lose another hundred. No problem. It's wild how that goes. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just a full on bender. I was not thinking straight. I, you know, afterwards was just kind of like, Whoa. And that was, you know, I was walking back. I finally just kind of quit I had 160 left of like the, at that point 600 that i had taken out in addition to the 900 that was the original bankroll for the trip so i was firmly in my first four figure loss ever and you know i know for some people four figures is a bet on the table but for me that's a paycheck a after tax take home for two weeks so it it sung, and it you know it's just like i have only myself to blame i you know i fell for it i know better i'm smart enough to know that slot machines are a losing proposition you know, I, I know the odds and I just, I just got sucked up into it. So when I was walking back to the room, I was so dejected. I'm like, I'm in too shitty of a mood to like, you know, go be social or, you know, do anything. I'm just going to go back to the room and sleep. And, you know, I've definitely made jokes about the, the pamphlets before. And I was like, you know, honestly, like this is, this is a pretty shitty feeling, like a low feeling. So I grabbed it and, you know, It just seemed like a fitting post for the the blog because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's fun. It's entertainment. The second it becomes any more than that, you got to got to rein it in. And, you know, had I done that when I was rage betting and losing, I would have saved a lot of losses. But more importantly, I would have had money and time and energy and excitement for like fun things that I wanted to do. Like I'm not sitting here feeling sorry for myself that I... I blew the money. I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself that I blew the money in a way that wasn't even enjoyable. And I'd hit a bonus and be like, shit, that was a lame one. Oh, that was not even worth, you know, like those negative gamblers. Like that was my internal dialogue. Like that's the inner monologue I had going. And that's just not, that's not fun. That's not logical. That's not why you go. And it's like, shit, I could have bought a new guitar with that. I could have upgraded my ski setup. Like, you know, but the gambling is entertainment. I never beat myself up when I'm getting my entertainment value, but I just, you know, for about $800 of that, there was no enjoyment. And, you know, it's just something I've, you know, been thinking about a lot. I've got some really good friends um, that have helped me kind of process, listened, and stuff. And, you know, I just need to kind of recalibrate my, my gambling, my, expectations I think you know I was on an insane heater earlier this year which is you know kind of the worst thing that can happen to you because you just think it's easy and you can do it every time like there was a stretch two hand pays first two hand pays of my life 1200 2100 um, just you know couldn't couldn't book a losing trip and then it switched and then it couldn't book a winning trip and you know like I described there's kind of a descent into the madness of the blog that's why I wanted to do it of just you know it's not like I woke up and said, you know what? I'm going to lose $1,300 and go on full tilt. It was a gradual thing. And this was just kind of the culmination of a lot of of bad habits that I had developed over this past year and, and kind of tolerances that I grew in. And just, it, it all kind of hit me. And we're going to see, my next trip is for when we were young, end of October. And I'm really optimistic that I'm going to be able to kind of rein it in, recalibrate and you know not recreate this because quite frankly if I do then that's the last trip like there's for both like you know now that I'm aware of it I can't close my eyes to it or put my head in the sand like I I saw on full display what happens when stuff goes wrong and if I'm not able to stop it before that you know gotta gotta get out before I'm actually betting the mortgage or something like that and I'm, I'm hopeful and confident that I'll be able to to moderate you know I'm was able to do it with drinking and it's it's been very rewarding and i think it's a lot easier in that you know with drinking i i had to just kind of completely go cold turkey because once i have won the moderation goes out the window but i think in the casino you know i'm i'm not exposed to the casino every day i don't walk since i don't live in nevada i'm not walking by video poker every time i go to the grocery store um gas station etc so i think it it, you know i'm i'm not doing any locals until that trip i'm just kind of taking a breather i'm going to greatly reduce the budget and i'm going to you know try to try to set some kind of smaller rules of like you know put a 20 in and walk away you can come back to it that sort of deal um, but i feel like i'm set up for success in that regard because it's a i fly in friday morning it's a red eye flight and then the festival's all day saturday and it's a red eye f- sunday night out rooms were stupid expensive. So I only have two that weekend. So it's, you know, most of the trip is about the festival. I won't even be tempted that day. I'll be having fun. And I'm, you know, since I'm staying downtown, hoping I can just kind of use some food comps, people watch, find a spot, and I'm going to really try for my own sake to make it less about gambling. It used to, you know, the main goal, especially as I kind of got my first real job out of college and had more money was like, gamble all day like I'm talking six eight ten hours and of course the longer you're in there the longer the, the house edge grinds at you and of course you know after my wins earlier this year I was doing doing slots because they were fun and they were winning and you see what they can do so I'm trying to really kind of return to form do more video poker even though the table limits are super high we, I can't believe I didn't bitch about that with inflation because been horrible <laughs> I remember all the craps at Fremont now it's like 10 on off hours and, you know, $5 blackjack at El Cortez, that's 10 or 15 It's It intimidates me. And then I, you know, go to the slots and lose more. So I get the most enjoyment from, from video poker at the bar and tables. So I got to get back to that. If I double up, you know, take it. Just go back to seeing it as entertainment rather than, you know, a God-given right to be in there gambling my ass off for six hours because then I'm viewing money as, you know, a tool that makes machine go burr rather than, money and you know that's that's kind of what I've been doing going in I'm trying to decide my my budget for that trip and I am going to set it and stick to it if I find myself hitting the ATM that's like a big red flag for me but I've been you know thinking like what would I be willing to spend on a concert what would I spend for a night out what would I spend for entertainment and you know in no world would I be spending 400 a night on entertainment which is what I was doing this trip with my budget so it's it's eye-opening um I think you know my followers I'm hoping that it will still be just as enjoyable and fun a little less degenerate in the sense of there will probably be less hits because I'll be playing a bit less but I'm hoping I can still kind of bring people along for the ride but it'll it'll be a different experience for me and everyone I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes won't lie a little scared um just because I really do enjoy gambling like it's it's something that I don't want to give up. I want to enjoy it. I mean, I got my Black Deck right here with the Viva Lost Value chip. Like I I love it. It's, you know, I've been doing it since I'm 18. It's something I really enjoy. It's it's genuinely entertainment. I think even though I'm, you know, absolutely not gonna lie and say I'm up lifetime in terms of, you know, dollars, in terms of the experiences, the fun, the trips, the things that's made possible. Um, you know, the, the overall value I've got from it, considering it is fun and entertainment for me, it, it has been a net positive, but I I really got that kind of cold water slap in the face this past trip of how the wheels can fall off really quick and you can, you know, get lulled into a sense of, so, um, false confidence with that and, and really, you know, get into destructive territory fast. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I can find that balance and moderation and still be able to enjoy an activity that I find really fun and get those values and unlock, you know, the, the comps and the, the discounted rates and the food and, and just the the entertainment that nothing else really matches. Um, but also, you know, enjoying and exploring other parts of Vegas.
0: Well, as I say, I, I, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty honorable and it takes a, a big person to sort of take that step and realize and, and take that step back and go, Oh shit, this is, this is bad. So, so many people don't. So I think for you to, to a recognize that B do it and c put yourself out there and share that. Uh, Hopefully it may help somebody else with the same situation and the same issue. Look at it and go, okay, yeah, I'm doing exactly the same thing. I should take that step back. So again, I think it's, it's, putting yourself out there is something I don't know if I could do that in the same way. So I, I, I really admire that in you, my friend.
1: I, I really appreciate that. It's it's kind of funny, because in a, in a weird way, I feel like getting to that point is like the shittiest part with like the hardest work and like the tough moments. But like, I really just kind of, you know, that day off on Monday, just walking around, like, of course, I was down, I really sat in it, I was stewing. But I, I really just kind of felt like light and free and liberated afterwards. Like after reaching that tough discovery with the reflection, it really was just kind of a relief. And I kind of felt that posting it too, because, you know, and maybe this is revealing me as a compulsive gambler, or maybe other people can relate. But when I got back to the office, the next day I like, how was Vegas? And, and I'm just like lost money. I don't want to be like, well, I lost my take home salary, you know, like a a two week salary, I lost that and was paid, you know, so, but like, feeling the need to hide it or the shame for me is, is the worst part. So just laying it out there. It's like, okay, if someone's going to be a dick, they're going to be a dick. I'll block them, I'll move on. But not feeling like I had to hide it and just having it out there, you know, not having people ask questions or, you know, say stuff that's inadvertently gonna be upsetting. And just having people know was really kind of liberating for me. And it really, you know, I got this reaction when I posted about drinking as well. Um, just the, the Vegas community is really something special. We're not going to give the bad apples anytime. I mean, it is some really good people. And it's just, you know, it's, it's really special. It's a nice break from the toxicity of politics or sports or, you know, the other stuff that pops up on Twitter. And it's, you know, just a curated happy place where we all enjoy it. But, you know, on that note, I did feel a responsibility to, to be honest, you know, I've never, not, I don't make money off of it other than, you know, if people send a karma donation, but I don't, it's not monetized. I have no desire to do so. I don't want to be a mouthpiece for a casino or, you know, be, have my ethics compromised. If something's great and I say it's great, it's because I thought so and I mean it. And if it sucks, I'm saying that it, it sucks, you know, Um, and I really value just that kind of freedom and authenticity. And I think when, like you said, when you're scrolling through and you see someone's trips, or if you're watching like the slot YouTubers, you you see win after win after win, and there's no context. I mean, I kind of posted a tongue in cheek one, um, when I landed where I was like, here's my four big hits. Like, if you looked at this, you'd think I had a hell of a trip took $1,500 to get that. And I gave it back, you know, so I just think it's important to see all of it. I think especially with those highly volatile games, you see the hits and you go, oh, that's, that's do it's going to come. But the reality is more often than not, you get your stampede and it's $8 and you go, that's it. It's not going to run again. When you're following a lot of people and only seeing the wins, it's easy to think that they happen more than they do. And the sad reality is that the losses happen more, which is how the casinos give you all the nice stuff. But just, you know, being being honest with the losses is, I think, my biggest complaint when you look at the kind of gambling community, because there's just never that transparency. And it's it's easy to forget the odds are, are stacked against you.
0: Sergio, I appreciate you taking the time to to jump on and, and have the conversation. We need to do this more often. Let's make sure the next time we talk, it's not uh, three years between chats.
1: Yes. And hopefully it won't be kind of a downer of like a, almost uh, almost blew it.
0: Sergio, thank you again, my friend.
1: Thank you, Jeff.
0: And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at JeffDoesVegas. Or drop me an email directly at jeff at jeffdoesvegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production.